0: Hello and welcome everyone to the Melomancy Podcast. This time, we're not live, but it's going to be okay. Uh, my name is Dylan, and today we are joined by two guests, Robbie and Jordan. Say hello, Robbie and Jordan.
1: Hi, Robbie and Jordan.
2: Hi, Jordan Robbie.
0: And then, of course, we have Rick and Vic. Say hi, Rick and Vic.
3: Hi, Rick. Hello, Vic. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So uh, I have a couple things to say before we get started with the show. Um Some some podcast meta related things. There's two things if you're looking at the RSS feed you probably noticed I made a couple uploads the other day where I talked about and I'm gonna repeat myself now. We are ditching SoundCloud. I am tired of waiting for SoundCloud to develop podcasting features that will never come. They just don't give a shit about us It's not a platform for podcasting never has been and I was wrong to give them my money for six years now I think it's
4: been It surprises me because they are really like kind of in the forefront of like indie audio recording. Right.
0: You'd think that they would, you know, be all for podcasting, and they have some podcasting like references in their documentation. Like yeah. it's definitely a thing they want to do. But they they produce free, it's free money. It's they make no tools for it. It sucks. So I emailed this guy, uh, Dolvidas. Uh, he works on a product called RSS Blue. I think it's like a two person outfit, like it's small business. Right. Um, and he has a hosting solution. That's really simple. It's just podcasting and he implements a lot of the podcast indexes, what they call podcasting 2.0 features such as lit tags, such as transcripts, value for value, all that stuff that we've been talking about lately on the show. Uh, it's like natively supported um we're going to be using those kind of things in the future especially lit tags is something i want to look into uh we are now on mumble i am also paying monthly for a mumble server which uh if the the venture capitalists ever come after discord for their investment back we can always come here this server will be up when discord is not so i mean it's a backup plan it's better than nothing but we're here to record the show and mumbles really good at that that's what we used to do it lets me edit more easily all of the audio files it's way better than Jitsi, which we were using to do live. And then with the live stream, we just have the one audio track. It was a nightmare to edit. It wasn't really editable. So looking forward to this future. Um, while we're recording, I hear a bunch of keys clacking in the background, but I'm going to mute that shit in post. It's going to be great. So it's going to be nice and clean when you hear it. But that fucking keyboard. Who's doing that?
3: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, It may have been me. I didn't Oh, realize. shit. <laughs> Yeah, it's all good. No, don't worry about it. Hey, you know what? This will just teach you.
0: We're going to fix it in post. It's going to be fine.
3: Because <laughs> so, we can do it. Exactly. So new Mumble
0: server, new host, uh, same old podcast. Uh, today is our return episode. And like we did last year, uh, and we're not going to do it right this second. We're going to get to it later. But like we did last year, we're definitely going to talk about our, our our game of the year, which on this show, what we do is we talk about the best new game we played this year. It doesn't have to actually be a new game. And uh, the results may surprise you. Uh, so <laughs> we'll get there. Uh, but I guess uh, we'll just uh, move on to the rest of our fucking topics and come back to the whole video game thing in a little bit. Uh, who wants to start? Like, does anybody have a topic in mind that they wanted to kick off the show with?
2: You know... Every time that you said you want to start with a topic that's not the topic you wanted, it usually never gets to the topic you wanted. Yeah. At least every time I mean, that I've been here.
3: You're right. Well, let's start the one with the game awards wanna, then. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> no, no, no. We'll never not do the game awards, to be fair. Fair. Yeah,
2: but, I I I'm just saying, out of my past
0: experience,
3: you're right. The
2: the topic has never gotten around. I that's,
3: don't know what you're talking about. We never get off track here. Solidarity and you tangents. had me.
2: Tangent for two hours about who what Final Fantasy main characters win in a fight against
1: each other. That was a great yeah, I'm pretty sure that every time I've been here, Dylan has always stayed on track. <laughs> yeah.
3: So Dylan's... I'm the problem. Ooh. Yeah, I get it. As long as you understand. No, nope, no, nope, I I get it. Does
0: anybody actually remember like the game awards, like the award show? Like that happened in like December, didn't it?
1: Yes. I just remember I, yeah, that with, Clinton with is Jeff, he the Pope of uh, of Doritos
2: and Dorito and Pope. Dew. Yes, I well, I did actually just like two hours ago watch a dude do a recap out of of the Game Awards out of boredom.
0: Oh, then you probably know more than we do because it's been so long. What What were you surprised nope, by?
2: it just just <laughs> out my brain. Um, surprised by, especially from the recap that I watched, is actually just mm-hmm. the armor core. I did not expect a new armored core,
0: dude. I didn't expect a new armored core either. I thought armored core was done because a lot of the talent that worked on the good armored core games went to a different company called Marvelous, and they made a video game called Damon X Machina, which is the spiritual successor to Armored Core, and it's really fucking good, by the way. And it's like, well, I guess uh, the Dark Souls people are going to give Armored Core a try, and I hope they don't fuck it up. It sounds like they won't. Well,
4: to be fair, to be fair though, Miyazaki did. Uh, I, th- I can't remember which one it was. Amendment for answer. Uh, he, he did he has touched one him of the, Yeah. he has directed one of the good armored cars so. well
2: he also did confirm that they are not going to just bank off of Dark Soul success they are going to keep armor core armor core
4: yeah so I, that I think, gives me hope well we'll probably see some like tightening of action combat like situations because armor core had a I don't know how to like phrase it, like you know, like you know, there's a lot of lock on, not a whole lot of aiming a lot of the times, especially in newer mm-hmm. games. So like we'll probably see like maybe like a removal of that, unless it's like for like anything like a, like a missile or something. But like I don't know, it'll be interesting to see like how in depth they go with the combat.
0: There might be a better emphasis on the melee weapons because like melee was always part of Armored Core, especially for answer, like because the speed builds were a thing and laser blading your way to victory was a valid strategy. So, I mean, maybe.
3: <laughs> yeah, the um, hmm, I don't know. I did. I played uh, which one was did they do a five? Yeah. yeah. I don't think I did four answer. I did five and there were, I don't think they had laser mm. blading in that one. No. I think it was all like oh, uh, five, mech- we, five was bare bones of a game. We, don't, yeah, oh, we right. don't talk
0: about five. Yeah. yeah.
3: Five doesn't exist. Got it. <laughs> It had an innovative multiplayer
4: mode where your
0: fifth teammate was like an operator with a menu that like helped ping things. That was cool. Uh, yeah, that was really cool. But that's yeah, it. I mean, it, Battlefield it tried cool,
2: that too, but... and no one used
3: it. Yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Battlefield. We don't talk about that thing. <laughs> um, you got so, a shit bucket, Marine. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um. You're saying so? Yeah. No, I was gonna say. So, what game of the year did we have? So. Like,
0: Here's the weird thing, right? So God of War Ragnarok just came out before the Game Awards like were hosted, and it's supposed to be like a voting event, right? But like, pretty sure when the voting started, I don't think anybody that bought God of War Ragnarok had already beaten God of War Ragnarok unless they pulled several all-nighters. It's not a short game. Um, yeah. I played it, by the way. Um, we'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, God of War swept almost every single category that it was nominated for, which was almost all the categories, by the way, except Game of the Year. They gave it to Elden Ring.
3: Well, right, because Elden, you know, I think that was a good choice to give it to Elden Ring, even if, uh, you know, I don't believe in the game awards being fair and balanced. Yeah, but, uh, it was the only no game award that... show is fair and balanced. Yeah. If they just it gave all without, the awards like, to what, February?
1: Yeah. They...
0: And
3: it was still talked about.
0: Yeah. If they gave all the awards to God of War, someone might have thought something was up. Like <laughs>
3: it's we'll too a game suspicious. That nobody's played. Yeah. A game that nobody's got a chance to play yet.
0: Yeah.
2: We're going to take the money, give it all the awards, but we got to give them at least one so that we're not suspicious. So
0: I got a PS5 and it came with God of War Ragnarok. And I was like, all right, cool. I can play the game of the year or well, not the game of the year, but the best soundtrack of the year, best voice actor of the, the year, almost game of the year, the best everything of the year, best action. And it's like, it wasn't the best of any of those things actually. Right. Like I, I voted for, um, What's that guy's name? The guy that does the voice of Kratos now, the guy that's in Stargate. Um, I f- forget his I name. Forget
3: his name. I want to say Mike Judge, but that's the, King of the Hill his guy. Name is Teal. That's that's
0: the character's name. Um, but I voted for him because I didn't recognize any of the other voice actors or the roles that they played. I was like, Who are these people? Yeah. Who are these voice actors? This isn't a voice acting category. This is just a celebrity cameo category, <laughs> right? Um, and then I actually play God of War Ragnarok and. I was a little disappointed by the voice performance by the guy like it, the, the, the voicing was OK, but the character and the plot and the lines he was given was very dry. Like he had a couple of cool like side dialogue pieces uh, and a couple of cool speeches at key moments of the story. But it was mostly just grunting in silence.
1: OK, OK. Well, can, like, can I talk about about Ragnarok for a second?
0: You can talk about Ragnarok for a second.
1: Okay, not not to get too much into spoilers, but the good voice acting in the game does not come from Kratos. For sure. I thought that Freya gives a good voice performance. Um, mm-hmm. I think that if you play all the way through the game, uh, Sindri gives a good voice performance. Uh, and Odin is great. I loved Odin. Odin was awesome. But like, those aren't things that they talked about right. in the, the like game awards in the lead up to the game. It's all about um, Kratos and Atreus. Sorry, go ahead.
0: No, and, and you're absolutely right to call that out. And like, I, I thought Atreus did better than, I actually even enjoyed playing as uh, Atreus more than Kratos. His gameplay was way more fun. How dare you? Because hear me out, right? So the game's balance is a little whack, right? Because it's kind of a numbers game. Right, like your 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 weapon upgrades and your attachments and your the things you have unlocked. Just
1: like in the last game, all of yeah. your equipment adds up to an overall level, and your overall level is way more important than your individual stats. So it's better to have high level gear that's asynergistic than it is to have low level gear that all works well together.
0: And being good at the game doesn't help you beat the enemies that are a higher level than you because you it's like hitting them with a wet noodle. Yeah, Yeah. they
1: just take a flat reduction in damage if they're, like, two levels higher than you or something, so... That's unfortunate.
0: I hated that a
4: lot. (laughs) They should have just adopted the old God of War, like, system. Because it's not like that system is, you know, hard-coded to be only for that. I mean, like, Bayonetta still uses it. Uh, Devil May Cry 5 still kind of used it. The whole, like, you get, you know, a currency and you just spend it on upgrades for the things you want to use... Would have been perfect. I don't
0: know. You really think a Western studio could outdo Capcom and and Platinum? I, well,
4: I, I mean, the original God of War did just as good, in my opinion. I I, I think it, it could have done. Yeah. Uh,
1: I, I would say that God of War 2 II and 3 did fairly well. The first God of War was a, a spectacle fighter, but it was rough. Yeah. That's
4: you only fair.
1: Ha- like, for the majority of the game, you only had the Blades of Chaos.
4: I think it's just one of those moments, where, like, I, I played it when it came out around the time, so I, I probably have a bit of nostalgia goggles going on there, but...
1: But, I mean, that game came, I mean, I'd have to double-check. Didn't God of, the first God of War come out after the first Devil May Cry?
0: I think so. Probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna fact-check that.
1: If my memory serves, I believe the first Devil May Cry came out first, and that's where I'm making that comparison. I think the graphics in the first God of War were much better. But uh, the first Devil May Cry had much better gameplay as far as Spectacle Fighter, and even well, the first Devil May Cry was rough.
2: From yeah. what I, from what yeah, I remember it's
1: like the first four God years apart.
0: Sorry, r- real quick, two thousand five OG God of War, two thousand one for OG Devil May Cry. So Damn. I think I think God of War one was actually competing with Devil May Cry three which is
4: and, not oh, a contest.
3: Well, I mean, if, you
1: had, to, if yeah. you had to watch the opening cutscene for Devil May Cry 3,
4: like... Yeah. Ugh. Devil May Cry 3 is... I, I think even after 5 is still my favorite. And and 5 was a pretty solid game.
2: Devil May Cry 3 is my favorite if I skip all the cutscenes.
4: <laughs> I love the cutscenes in 3. Oh, they're the hilarious. The best part. Come on. But
2: if I want to take a game seriously, I can't watch them.
4: No, no, you you can't you can't take it seriously. That, that's that's the, that's the key. So I
0: have a fresh perspective on this because last year, 2022, I actually for the first time played all four Devil May Cry games, one, three, four, and five. And it was the first time I'd ever played any of them. I did not play Devil May Cry when I was younger. I was aware of them. I watched the trailer for Devil May Cry three on that disc that came with EGM uh, mm-hmm. like a million times because it also had the trailer for Metal Gear Solid three on it. Uh, <laughs> i love those dvds in those magazines
1: and dante was so
0: <laughs>
3: fucking cool
0: he was i uh, young me would not deny right that was a cool Hell fucking yeah. trailer right i
3: mean dante yeah dante over here with his uh jackpot
0: yeah so
3: i i played through them all
0: for the first time i played through them all for the first time in five real fucking good by the way i think everyone should play that game but like you have to do what I did and play all the all four games in, in order, right? Like, people who simply played the franchise as it was coming out, they don't need to replay the old games. But, like, you can't just jump into five. You could try. But, like, I'm so glad I didn't. And then I actually went back and played the old ones because I, I had this, like, appreciation for it that I don't think I would have had otherwise. And I enjoyed the hell out of it. And so I, I played God of War Ragnarok because it came with the PS5. And I, I have some thoughts about it. I, we should talk about it while it's, while we're on subject. So. I, I had concerns because like they swept the game awards. It was probably paid for, right? Um, I had I actually had kind of low expectations
4: for it. Even if not paid for, it is a panel of judges, so it's it's high, heavily biased.
0: I will admit I didn't really like it. However, the story was actually really good. Uh, I liked the story a lot. It was one of the best parts of the game. The animations and graphics are also really good. Like the the way the characters move, they don't clip with anything, and the way they like their faces move and stuff. Like it was really like. Surreal, like I don't, not not very many games like have that level of like quality, and it was kind of cool to see,
1: right? Especially in the cutscenes, there are all kinds of tiny little details um, that, if you're watching for, you can see. Uh, one of my favorites is there's an early cutscene where Atreus, Kratos, and Odin are all in the same room, and every time Odin moves towards Atreus, Kratos is in the background and he puts his hand onto his axe. And every time Odin steps away, he moves his hand back.
0: It's like super tense. Nice.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's, and it creates that kind of, uh, like, like in a movie where you're expecting people in the background to be doing things and taking action, moving around the scene. It's, it's very high production quality.
0: Mm -hmm, For sure.
4: So, so they're, they're using their space well. Yes.
0: And every cutscene's like that. Like there's little details everywhere and it's just really well done.
3: Yeah it runs the playable movie very well
0: right the only reason I didn't like the game overall was it it felt like a chore um like the Mm -hmm. because of what I already said about the combat and the the stats numbers right being more important than your ability to play the game that's actually why Atreus's sections of the game were more fun because his weapons don't have stats and you just have to play it and it's like the whole game should have just been like that I would have liked it way better
4: a bit more of an experience yeah than like a like a I guess like an overblown rpg mechanic
1: There is this focus, I feel, in the new God of War franchise in trying to build a bunch of different ways for you to play Kratos. He needs to have an armor set and a build for all these different things. And in God of War Ragnarok, especially when they have you have uh, different companions aside from Atreus, and uh, like Dylan already mentioned, there are sections where you play as Atreus. I think that that is hugely unnecessary let kratos be good at the stuff kratos is good at and let me play as somebody else if you want me to play as someone else
4: yeah
0: i don't deny it it was a controversial decision right but it just felt like a chore and so like i i enjoyed the plot but I was really happy when it was over because I was looking forward to like uninstalling it and re- freeing up that space on my hard drive or something else.
4: <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's funny to think too. Cause like looking back when I played uh, like the originals, I don't think I ever really like played off the chaos plates because you get so used to them. You, you, the only weapon that's consistent across all three games, you know how to use them. It's like, yeah, like if I, if I were to do like a second playthrough of them, I might, you know, dabble a bit more, but like, yeah, Kratos is Kratos, at the end of the day, with what you uh-huh. what you use him for, and I'm sure it's no different in the two, the two new ones. God
1: of War 3 was cool because they made all of the weapons as, va- basically, variations on the Blades of Chaos. They were all a thing yeah, on a chain, yeah. Um, and you were- man, I'd have to go back. I feel like you were able to change between your weapons mid-combo, which made it almost like a, a, a stance uh, character in a fighting game. Uh, and that was pretty
4: cool. That that sounds yeah. And he
0: could parry any attack with with perfect timing with the golden fleece. That was so satisfying.
1: <laughs> yes.
4: yes. Yeah. I I think I remember like thinking that it it was taking inspiration from Double uh, My Cry very specifically then because uh, of the newer fucking versions of three and obviously four.
0: I, I do have one more criticism of God of War Ragnarok. So uh, while it was very pretty, uh, I thought the level design left a little bit to to be desired like it felt like a bunch of hallways that were like cleverly disguised and i get that to hide loading screens you have to do the 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 crawling between the rocks thing and like final fantasy 15 did that final fantasy 15 is a very beautiful game with high resolution textures right from last gen and I, I they did that too but i felt like in god of War ragnarok it was happening every like 10 minutes <laughs> Not only
1: does it happen every 10 minutes, but every time Kratos has to like do the thing where he stands and waits for his companion to go in front of him. And sometimes they're further away and
3: it
0: takes
1: longer if they're further away.
0: It feels a little immersion breaking. I mean, it's well disguised, but it's like this is a hallway and you're loading the next section, which is probably going to be a couple of battle arenas interconnected by hallways that only have one path through them.
1: It's the Mass Effect 1 thing, where after you do anything for 40 hours, you start to see the edges of your cardboard prison.
0: Yeah. Yep. But it's like, it hit me immediately.
4: (laughs) Mass Effect was really bad about that, but in a way that was oddly satisfying, I guess. It was like, when you started to see the lines, you're like, ah, there are the lines. This game isn't as open as as it (laughs) seems. I don't know, that was... I think
1: Mass Effect is actually a good comparison because mainly what I I'm playing through the God of War games for at this point are the story and like yeah. the character interactions, mm-hmm. and the gameplay is just the stuff that happens between. Yeah.
0: So you're saying that Sindri's house is the the ship? Like, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, Can you just airdrop Sindri's house you need to be? is like the ship, except that there's no Rex. <laughs> And yep. I really now want to go to Sindri's house and see Rex and have Kratos go, Rex, and have Rex go, Kratos, Kratos, Rex. No. Somebody out there knows what meme I'm referring to.
0: I, I don't. I don't recall. I'm so sorry.
1: Okay, whenever you walked <laughs> by Rex, you'd go, Shepard, and then you'd go, Rex, th- Rex, shepherd. Oh. Yeah,
0: okay, yeah, got it. <laughs> okay, okay, I'm on board now. But,
1: I, but I'm sorry, okay? I cannot do the Rex voice and the Kratos voice distinct enough to make that meme work. I apologize.
4: <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, I, I need to get the Legendary Edition and just give Mass Effect another shot. I really liked one, but I didn't really try to, and then three had its big fiasco, which it was just like, yeah, I
3: think I'll just... At the time, I was like, ah, oh, I, I don't need this, but... Three's the one that brought us uh, choose your own ending at the okay okay
1: real talk. Uh, play through Mass Effect one, two, and three, and then when you get to the part in Mass Effect three when uh you're like on the ship and you're in with Commander Anderson and Shepard passes out for a second, just turn the game off.
4: Oh, beautiful! It's a Good. better
1: ending
3: than playing through the ending. <laughs> well, they, I have heard that they've done a lot of work, but the fact that you had to go redo your game. The tail. It'd, it'd be like if somebody could redo uh, Game of Thrones.
4: It's commendable, but it, yeah, this still always going to be the stain a little bit, I think, for some people.
0: So get to the part at at the end of Mass Effect Three when when Shepard falls asleep, and then turn the game off and boot up Subverse and just keep going. Like,
1: yeah, you, you just <laughs> turn yep. it off and you just <laughs> pretend <laughs> like Shepard dies at that point, and it's like okay.
3: No, it works, because that way it's just the story of (laughs) Shepard. Yeah, and Subverse is his neurons firing for the last time.
0: Right. In fact, they they make fun of the ending of Mass Effect 3 in the trailer for Subverse. It's actually super funny. It was like one of the features, multiple colored explosions. uh, (laughs) That was, you know, uh, shots fired. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) you want to know what the the best part about the Game Awards was?
1: Mm.
3: Trailers? Was it our uh, was it uh, reformed Rabbi Bill Clinton?
0: No, no, that was weird at the end there. I think the best part was that Horizon Zero Dawn didn't win anything.
3: Oh well, yeah, well, because it's, it's yeah. A mediocre it's a, game. Yeah, it's a
2: paint by numbers open world.
0: I don't know if their game's good or not, but the developers made fun of Elden Ring and claimed it was like inaccessible and bad
1: design. But but guys, what about native coded redheaded girl? Everyone loves her. Yep. <sighs> I played some of the first game. It
2: wasn't anything at all. It was bland mess. The 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 sequels better, but if it's the same and
0: It's nothing. If open world games are like sit-down restaurants, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn was like Applebee's, right? It's like... Yes, It it looks good. It probably tastes good sometimes, but, like, it's not premium, right? (laughs) Whereas Elden Ring was fucking premium.
2: (laughs) Honestly, if uh, Horizon felt like uh, an Assassin's Creed game, like the the newer ones, but without any of that story, they pretend to back to lean on like there's just nothing behind it
4: yeah I, I think we've talked about it before i i've started to get to this point where like i want to like open world games but like 90 percent of them are just not worth my time and it, i think like even even looking at like elden ring elden ring just barely felt worth my time if i didn't already really like the gameplay i probably would have hated El- elden ring and that's not even throwing shade i, I just think that i i personally am not as big on open world games.
2: I think there's an aspect of open world games that that designers need to understand, which is what you do in an open world game is not is not something that you can force upon a player like Elden Ring. Yes, it has all the mechanics and the world is open, but to make an open world game work, the player must want to explore and you must give yeah. them the reason to explore. And the moment that you feel like you're on a rail, like in Horizon, where you're constantly blocked off from going to new places, or you're just stuck in zones until you complete a task to open up a new zone, that's not exploration, that's just, that's the same cookie-cutter game design
3: uh, just labeled as open-world. Since
1: Grand Theft Auto San Andreas...
3: Yeah, yeah, actually, exactly. Well, yeah. I mean, there is a specific uh, style of open world that is the Ubisoft open world, right? Yes. Where it's a checklist, and you got to climb a tower so that you can unlock new checklists. Well, uh... you go to the place, you kill the lads, you do some default <laughs> contracts <the> for... <laughs> I yeah, but you do some default shit. That, but even Halo did it. Halo Infinite, like the open world part of that, was basically just like. An Ubisoft sandbox. Although I got a grappling hook, so you know. I really find
1: the term Ubisoft sandbox to be offensive, because I can have fun in a sandbox.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, no, no, yeah, it's sandbox like how we refer to a litter box.
4: There you
0: go. Say that again, sandbox like litter box?
3: Like how we refer to a litter box? Like, if, Have you heard like old people call the cat box a sandbox before?
0: That's gonna be that's the episode title. Episode title. Sandbox, more like litter box.
3: There you go. Good enough.
0: Episode title. Fantastic.
3: <laughs> Sorry, I, had I finally got one. I guess.
0: <laughs>
3: it's not too late.
0: <laughs> might come up with another. No, but um, I was I was super thrilled. I I have I have a principle that I try to stick by, where I try not to judge a game I haven't played. I have not played either of the Horizon games. They might be fine. They might be fine. I haven't played them. Probably not gonna. But. It made me very happy they didn't win any awards because of how snarky their devs were about Elden Ring.
2: I have like a like a list of people that I know of that if they recommend a game to me, I know the game is trash. And Horizons is one of them. I keep getting recommended Horizon by the same people I know have
0: shit taste in games. Like- they have the socially correct tasting games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. You know what? Oh. Spe- speaking of shit taste, I think we should get the awards out of the way. This because uh, keep yeah, it then all we can contained. We could talk
3: about Harry Potter. Oh, God. Oh, no. I don't know
0: if I want to. (laughs) So, Jordan and and Robbie, uh, you are new to our year opener season. Uh, What's the opposite of finale? It's not pilot.
3: Season premiere?
0: Premiere, yeah. We could do it. We got it, guys. We do this every year. It's become tradition. So I want to hear what was the best new game that you played last year. It doesn't have to have come out last year. It just has to have been the first time you played it. We'll start with Jordan. What's the best new game you played last year?
2: Um, well, I kind of want to say Elden Ring, but I also don't, because this seems like the, the low-hanging fruit.
3: <laughs> you can there. take Elden Ring if you want Elden Ring. No, no, no. I'm not going to pick it.
2: I have a thing. Like, Elden Ring is one of the best games I've played since, like, I, I don't know, Dark Souls 3? Uh But going through, like, something that I actually played more recently, like, towards the end of December, that I got addicted to for a while. And that was Potionomics.
0: Potionomics. Tell me more.
2: Uh so it is a uh uh it is a very um it's an I believe it's an indie game. I don't know. I didn't look up a, a lot before I chose this. But Potionomics is your normal um simulation game where you're just making potions and selling them and uh kind of like a, uh, operating a storefront. The difference being here is, it's actually also a card game. Uh, whenever you go to haggle with people about the, uh, the about the price, you have to actually basically be, play the card game with them. You have to haggle the price with them with the uh, by playing this pretty simplistic card game, where the main character's uh, stress is their HP. So you're haggling with your customer is applying stress to you, and you're trying to get them to like the item more uh, while, you know, setting up combos and all this other neat card game stuff. It also has, um, dating sim elements where you can go and have night, like, persona-style interactions with a lot of the NPCs.
0: The classic fade to black, as it were.
2: Uh, I haven't got that far, but I'm assuming. Oh Yeah. But the main thing that, that, that interested me in this game was, besides all of that really just chill gameplay stuff that I like, is actually the animations. It is, it's a is 3D animations. I don't know what engine. Maybe Unity? I don't know. I'm not big on the back end of games. But every animation for the characters are extremely smooth and well detailed. And it just is goddamn adorable. Like, just go find a trailer for Potionomics and watch the characters and how they move, interact with each other. It is just... It's just chilling. Like, chill and adorable. I love it.
0: Now that you mentioned it, I actually remember that you, you've told me about this game once before and I did look at it. It's very nice looking.
2: GTA actually gifted it to me for Christmas. Nice. And, but I did have an issue where I got into, like, the second, mu- the, the second like, um month week the second deadline whatever you want to call it and it does not hold back like if you don't know what you're doing it will just say i hope you figured out how to how to do all these systems because now we are going to want you to give us tier three things right when you figured out how to make tier one things so i i kind of lost on my on my first run because i just couldn't meet the second deadline
4: so it quite literally is, like, here in a lot of ways, then? Oh, uh, yeah, here.
2: I, I,
3: I think I like that. That sounds fun. Well, so, Potionomics Party Night? I would say, you know,
2: like, I would say anyone give a shot. I don't remember if it was that
4: expensive, but, like... I think it's 25 bucks.
2: Yeah, like, I like it, but then again, I know my taste in games isn't everybody's.
0: How many hours was that in Dark Cloud?
2: Uh, I'm still playing Dark Cloud. What are you talking about?
0: <laughs> 20 years later, still playing. <laughs> I've also, like,
2: been playing a lot of a game called The Long Dark, which, God, I know no one else would like. I think only me and Oren <laughs> like The Long Dark. Oh, no. I've played that game before. It's alright. Yeah, I, like, that was going to be my pick until I was, like, I looked to see when it came out, and I was like, oh, this came out 2017? Holy shit. Dylan literally said that it didn't matter when it came out.
3: Right. Eh, I've made my choice. Did you play it for the first time last year?
2: Yes, but I've... No, I played it this year. got to perform me on, like, January. Uh,
3: so it's not... Yeah, unless we're using, you know, the God of War metrics, we can't <laughs> use it then. Yeah, sorry.
0: No, we I have standards kind of here. But hey, maybe next year it'll be your game of the year if nothing better comes out.
3: Uh,
2: we'll see. I had a hard time picking a game this year just because I didn't really play much
0: new... Well, like, we're dragging you kicking and screaming through Hour 6, and it's probably going to be game of the year. Oh, end. no, I, I'm not <laughs>
2: kicking and screaming. I am diving headfirst into that ball pit. because you <laughs> know, it's probably going to be gross and covered in piss.
0: But it's going to be my piss. It's
2: going to be great. Yep. <laughs> yeah,
4: we won't have time to run to the bathroom. And if the bottles fill, well, so be it.
2: But now we still need to figure out, like, what are we getting it on?
0: Oh, PS5. I bought a PS5 just for it.
2: Alright, so I'll...
3: I'll probably finally be able to twist Dan's arm to get a PS5. Yeah, yeah. Well, if it it happens to have crossplay, I'll play with you guys. Because I'm not going to get a PS5.
0: I don't blame you. It's okay. So, Robbie, you're our other guest. It only makes sense that you go next. Uh, What was the best new game you played this year?
1: All right, well, speaking of piss, um, the best new game that I played wasn't actually a new game, but it was a new expansion for an old game. And the best game I played was uh, The Binding of Isaac Repentance, which was the newest expansion for uh, The Binding of Isaac, which if... When did that come out? Oh, man. When did The Binding of Isaac come out? Oh, this
0: DLC. Is it from this year or last year? Oh, uh,
1: yeah. uh, It it came out in 2021, although I was pretty occupied in 2021, so I didn't get around to it until... I mean, I was occupied like everybody was. Fair. But uh, I didn't get around to it until uh, this year past year and basically it was the most recent major expansion to the game that added two entirely new routes through the game and phew, uh, like two new characters but then an alternate version of every character including the new ones so closer to 19 new characters they rebalanced uh, many of the items and combinations of items in the game so that they actually work. They added hundreds of new things, bosses, new, uh, new room configurations, new types of rooms. Uh, maybe I should go back. Do you guys know what the Binding of Isaac is? Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah. yes.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. It's it's a roguelike, right? You run around, twin stick shooter. Uh, okay. So... Without getting too much into the nitty-gritty of this, I'm going to just try and explain some of the great new things that have been added to this game. Uh, And we're going to start with poop builds.
0: Tell me more about poop builds.
1: (laughs) Alright, so if you've ever played The Binding of Isaac, you know that poop is a kind of random, destructible item that spawns in areas. Uh, A lot of things in The Binding of Isaac can be uh, compared to things in Zelda. And you can think of poops like you would think of bushes in Zelda. You cut them down and sometimes they'll be treasure, sometimes they'll be nothing. There's a new item in the game uh, called Dirty Mind, and it makes it so that not only do more poops spawn, but whenever you destroy a poop, you spawn uh, one to four familiars that chase enemies down and attack them. And that would by itself be pretty strong. Anything that gives you homing familiars in a twin-stick shooter, very good. But also any kind of special poop that you destroy, like a poop that has corn in it, or a golden poop, or a black poop, will spawn <sighs> special familiars with special characteristics. Oh, are you? Fam- I know Dylan's familiar with meconium. But yeah, black poop is just meconium. Uh, when and the familiars that are spawned from it create slowing areas, like uh, a trail of slowing slime.
0: That is disgusting.
1: (laughs) Oh, it's amazing. And then on top of that, one of the new characters that was released doesn't get to have bombs, you know, like Zelda bombs. Uh, Instead, he just uh, throws poop. And so he has a series of special poops that have to represent the effects of bombs because otherwise you can't progress through the game. So you have to throw stinky poops that leave behind a smelly cloud of gas. And then you have to throw a flaming poop into it so that it'll explode. Okay, then.
0: Sounds pretty shitty.
3: (laughs) Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm
1: sorry. (laughs) It's holding it in. You don't have to hold it in, man. Let it out. Let it. (laughs) Oh, God.
0: So, this expansion was was new to you, and it was the Bee's Knees. And
1: so, a lot of the reason why I like the expansion is that it, it went back and it fixed a lot of the synergies. I call them synergies. Uh, It fixed a lot of the item interactions that didn't work and created new and interesting synergies while also going back and nerfing a lot of the easy infinite combos that made the game fairly easy to exploit and break. Uh, One of the biggest complaints that I and I think a lot of other people had with earlier versions of the Binding of Isaac is that there were a couple of fairly easy to make builds that would just become a default. And when you're playing a roguelike and there's an obvious best answer, every time you play, it gets very boring. Fair. Yeah, those, yeah. those issues I'm with risk of Rain too. And what they did is they actually went in and they did detailed buffs and nerfs to the individual items in order to fix it. As a very quick example There used to be a fairly easy combo where you would use an item that allowed you to double your money and then you could pick up an item from a shop that would recharge that item and let you double your money again. And if you had a way to refill the shop, you could just do that over and over and over. Now, the cost of items, even if you refill the shop, will constantly increase and uh, the item that doubles your money if you use it to double your money it vastly increases the recharge cost so it doesn't break that item for all uses but it makes it so that doubling your money infinitely is now possible but much more difficult
0: that's a lot of balance can't say the same for risk of rain too (laughs) but
1: uh yeah i um i played the first risk of rain and i kind of ran into that same experience where. You, I, I reached the uh, upper limit of my of my enjoyment on it. I never went into Risk of Rain 2. How is it?
0: Actually, it's really good, actually. But, like, you can beat the game by just getting too strong.
4: Yeah. It, it has kind of this issue where, like, some items do really binary effects. And if you stack them, you just kind of g- can get to a point where you have the ability it's not like a random chance anymore or like whatever and that kind of i feel like that ruins a little bit of the, the the roguelike aspect you you can eventually at a at a point now have a run where it's just infinite if you wanted to just go infinitely you could and you get to that pretty often i feel like now especially with the dlc i haven't played the dlc yet but it's you know
0: it's a 3d risk of rain And it's very faithful to what made the first game what it was.
4: Yeah, I I think it honestly, in a lot of ways, is like scaled up, which is nice.
1: And they're
0: also they're remaking the first one. Do you know that? Oh,
1: I did not know. Looks very pretty. Mm. (laughs) Man, I would love to play a version of the first game that doesn't like slow to a crawl. That might be it. The highest. Yeah, that might be it. Uh, anyway.
0: Let's let's keep the momentum. So, uh, Vic or Rick, who wants to go next? I'll go last.
4: Uh, you know what? I I can I can go. I I think okay. I have a I have a funny answer.
0: All right. What was the best new game uh, that you played this year, Vic? Last year, twenty twenty-two. Uh,
4: you're gonna you're gonna have deja vu. Uh, maybe maybe our viewers will too. But uh, I think I'm it's Cyberpunk twenty seventy-seven. It has to be.
0: <laughs> That's what I said last I, year.
4: <laughs> y- yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like. I was thinking about it. And, you know, um, we we, we talked about it when uh, the anime came out, and we we talked about it when I was playing it and eventually beat it. But I um, I don't know, I keep thinking back to it. I I keep listening to the music. Keep wanting to play it again, even it just like, it's it's a weird feeling. I'm on my fifth playthrough. Like, I can't stop. Yeah, I mean, the, the game is it's still buggy, to some extent, you know, there's still some jank. I don't think there's any real game breaking stuff anymore. But you know, like, the, the launch was horrible and all that, but, like, I think what was underneath all that, it was really solid. Like, like probably one of the most solid narrative experiences I've had in a long while. Right. I don't know if it was the most out of all games ever, but it, it I'd say out of more recent stuff, it's, it's really good.
0: I'm so glad you played it, because, like, it had such a bad launch, and I felt like a crazy person,
4: like, trying to recommend it to people. It's like, I swear...
0: It's okay now. Like, try it. <laughs> but like...
4: Yeah, and I feel bad for people who still can't. I mean, like, I hear last-gen consoles is still pretty unplayable, but that, it's one of those moments where, like, if you really like anything that's in the same vein uh, of Cyberpunk, it's... it's just, I think it's probably the best representation of the idea, because I think it takes a realistic spin on the, the whole tagline of it all, and I, that's what I really liked. It, it really felt like, you know, we're not just listening to this crazy tagline that fits real well to like a tabletop s- a system where we're pretty much taking that and putting it to i mean obviously it's not real life it's still a video game but they're putting it to like a real uh like a like through a realistic lens i guess that's how i'll put that and i i enjoyed that quite a bit
0: i'm, I'm glad you brought it up because i i really wasn't sure what you were going to say yeah <laughs> rick let's hear it what's the best new game you played Last year,
3: so I've kind of.
0: Did you play a new game last year?
3: <laughs> I know, right? That was kind of the problem. I played a few new games, so I'm gonna run through a list of a, a short list of games that it could have been, but aren't for various reasons. So we've got uh, the Steam is open. No, no, don't. I don't want to re-download you or update you Steam. I want to look at you. Um. So we've got Marauders. I've talked a lot about that with Vic, and we played it actually marauders is a really good game the problem with it is it's in early access so i can't in good conscience say oh yeah this is my game of the year dark tide um if anybody has ever played any of the tide games they know it's a fantastic game however it is a uh, just a fantastic sandwich that somebody took a shit in and that shit is microtransactions very predatory monetization and just kind of shit devs, even though Fat Shark Shark, uh, have a history of making really good games a year after they release them. Man, there's a lot of shit in this episode. What's up with that? (laughs) I don't know, man. But uh, no, I've been sitting on the shit sandwich metaphor for a while, unfortunately. So it was bound and it was determined long and long ago. But yeah, no, Dark Tide's a fantastic game gameplay wise. It's just that everything else about it's kind of meh. Oh, and it's beautiful. I can't forget that. It's probably... I think it's more beautiful, at least in its art style, than God of War. Not as great physics; the physics engine's not nearly as good. Things clip and all that, but otherwise, yeah. And I could have thrown the EDF games. I had I played EDF one point four point one and EDF five for the first time last year. I enjoyed the hell out of the games when I played them with friends, but without friends, it's it's a chore to play.
2: You can't really play those games without friends. Yeah, it is literally oh, they're the they're third, third
3: party games. The right? party games. Yeah. them alone. Yeah. Well, great. I, well, I played through EDF5 solo on uh, hard uh, for the first time through, like without uh, much trouble. I had to replay a couple of levels, but for the most part, it was uh, slam dunk. Cult of the Lamb. Cult of the Lamb, fantastic game for about two hours. Unfortunately, it's about a five or six hour game. So, yeah, no, two thirds of the game is a chore. And that is the theme of my games for the year, is that so many games are chores. So I had to land on Gunfire Reborn. Now those, so it's a, Uh yes, it's a roguelite and it's a first person shooter roguelite. I know that the furry community once again jumped in, you know, up hands in the ear when they heard me say that as though my Freudian slip of about six months ago, when I accidentally said I was a furry. (laughs)
4: Oh, no. Wait, you're, wait, you're it was rip. on an episode. <laughs> I don't remember. Wait, so,
3: when did this happen? It was like six months ago or something. I, like I that.
4: vaguely remember it. Yeah. Okay. yeah,
3: no, and I've said, yeah, no, I've alluded to my accidental furriness, which I'm not. There's no fur suit in my closet. I'm sorry, everyone. But yes, apparently uh, only on the podcast. I am a closet furry. <sighs> I know that. <laughs> Anyways. Welcome to therapy. Uh, so... <laughs> Yeah, so Gunfire Reborn, you pick whatever furry character you would like. Uh, oftentimes, I play to the, when I play solo, I play as the uh, weirdly sexual uh, bunny girl.
0: Wait a
4: minute.
3: Uh, <laughs> there, there's no other type of bunny girl. So. Yeah, I was going to say, no, really you're fine. No, that's expected sexual. But, no, no,
4: no.
0: but wait, so, think about this. You own rabbits, though, in real life.
3: I do own rabbits. Don't worry, they're fine. <laughs> okay. they, they, they don't look like people.
0: I'm just kidding. I'm
1: kidding. They,
3: they, yeah, I. I mean, look. My rabbits, you know, I've I've looked. They don't have boobs, at least not the way we understand them. Okay. <laughs> at, at least you double checked. Yeah, I think well, it's pretty yeah. concerning that he had to check.
4: Bunny girls in your house? It's more. It's more likely than you think. <laughs> I just, if I'm going to give
0: Jordan shit about the Kluweka, I got to give you shit about the bunny girls. Okay, so.
3: Wait. What? <laughs>
0: yeah.
3: Oh damn. Uh, what? Yeah. So. Anyways, the, the bunny girl, like, uh, no, I enjoy her because uh, she's a lot of fun to play as with the, uh, she shoots, she shoots swords as her specials. And anytime I can use swords as projectile weapons, it's great. So yeah, no, it's a fantastic little roguelite where you do things. You you know, you shoot the, you go to the place, you shoot the lads, the lads are everywhere. They, you know, you go from room to room and you do it and you can have it in bite-sized chunks. It's good 15 minute Game, it's a good two-hour game. Yeah, but Um, is there a shit build? (laughs) I'm not comparing it to the Binding of Isaac, so no. (laughs) I mean, there are shit builds, as in (laughs) builds that are garbage.
0: Shit like uh, Dark Tide, not shit like Binding of Isaac.
3: (laughs) Yes, (laughs) two different kinds of shit. Yes.
0: No, but uh, so. If if shooting sword projectiles is your thing, there's this, you know, there's this character, his name's Noctis, he's from a really popular video game called Tekken (laughs) 7.
3: Hey,
1: so if shooting swords is your thing, uh, in Binding of Isaac, there's a new upgrade in the newest uh, expansion that turns your sword into Link's sword, so when you have full health, you get to shoot homing swords at people. Beautiful.
3: So projectile swords are just everywhere, you're fine. Uh, They absolutely are. I enjoy projectile swords. Yeah, no they tricked me with they tricked me with Bunny Girl because like in the character select when you buy her she's not like she's sitting at a table so you can't see. But as soon as you get to the character select screen after that when you've selected her she's standing up and she's not wearing a shirt. She's got like a a bra armor piece.
2: Yeah, it's like a dragon's crown with the Amazon is the one in the behind the table when you pick her and get in game she's not wearing anything.
3: Yeah, exactly. It's that exact sort of thing where they're like, oh, by the way, you're now a furry, motherfucker. (laughs) Surprise! (laughs) Oh, Oh, well. Well, well. and
2: (laughs) just like almost every type of surprise like that, I'm sure it awakens something in someone.
3: Yeah, well, there's a reason I don't stream. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that is fair.
0: So, I'll I'll, I'll take my turn, and then we're gonna thank some people, and then we're gonna talk about the OGL and Wizards of the Coast. So, what did I... Play this year. I played a shitload of games this year, guys. So it's actually kind of hard. So I mentioned earlier that I played through all of the Devil May Cry games. So those are all on the table, which is gonna make you hate me because I'm not picking them. Uh, <laughs> but like, I played a lot of games this year. But game of the year though, it's Stranger in Paradise, Final Fantasy Origin. Oh, I'm so I, sorry. I
4: thought I thought you were gonna say Scarlet Nexus.
0: <laughs> I played that. So Scarlet Nexus, I wanted to give it game of the year last year because, but I had not finished it. And I had just started it, like, in, like, December-ish. Like, I forget what actually happened, because I started it, I took a break, I picked it back up in December, I finished it in the new year. And Scarlet Nexus is 10 out of 10, and everyone should play it. But I'm giving Game of the Year to Stranger in Paradise, because that game, like, I kept coming back for more. There's something weird about it. Maybe it's nostalgia. Maybe I'm just a sucker for Final Fantasy, right? And there's something really satisfying with, like, the, the mechanics of the Neo games, and how those games play, and but you're shooting Ultimas and shit, and fighting Cactars, it's great.
4: I'll, I'll save you. I'll save you from it all. It's all of the above.
0: <laughs> I I played a lot of Dissidia when I was young, and the plot of Dissidia is canon to Stranger in Paradise.
3: <laughs>
2: well, there you go. Like It's a continuation of one of your favorite games, so of course it's going to be great. Yeah. Exactly.
4: But in a
0: weird and obscure way that only makes sense to people that played Dissidia.
4: <laughs> <laughs> and, and I won't lie to you, those cutscenes, man, the fe- they're fever dream tier, and it I love is, it. Beautiful. It and is so beautiful.
0: There's more coming. There's two DLCs out now, the the third and final one's coming soon, and it's just, they keep adding new difficulties, so the reason I didn't jump right back in when the first DLC came out was because I struggled to beat the game. because It's fucking hard, right? But I went back and I got good, and I progressed uh, after beating the game. But, like, the DLCs that come out, and Vic, you might actually like this, but, like, the DLCs that come out, like, they each introduce a new difficulty that's higher than the previous highest difficulty, and all the new content is there. That sounds nice. You can't survive it. You don't get it. <laughs> okay it just keeps adding more difficult things so at first it adds the bahamut difficulty and you have to do the trials of bahamut and he you like you talk to him and and he gives you things to do and you can give yourself handicaps to earn more of his little gem things to buy shit out of his shop and then they added the gilgamesh difficulty where you do similar shit for gilgamesh where he can like in his his tomberry friend forges weapons for you and like they added some new classes and it's so fun
2: it's weird hearing that a uh that a Square Enix game is adding cool stuff to a game without it being terrible.
1: Yeah, I mean, are you sure they're not about to just, you know, shut it down? Yeah, like, wipe it from the servers and everybody's consoles?
0: Well, here's the weird thing is, it's an online game that's meant to be played co-op. But, like, I've never played the co-op. I did the entire thing solo. And that might be why it was so fucking hard, <laughs> to be fair. But, like, I actually never once tried the multiplayer. I thought it was so much fun on its own that I just, I never did it.
2: Huh? No, I get
0: it. It 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 re- you basically you play through the events of Final Fantasy One, but it's a little different. But like it explains why later, and because Decidia nonsense, and it's great. Like I loved every minute of it, including the Fever Dream cutscenes. But also the combat was deeply satisfying, and the enemies were very nostalgic. You did, everyone's here. You got Marlboros, you got Tonberries, you got Cactars. You have the King Behemoth. You got Ultima Weapon. You've got um the four fiends of the elements, right? You've got Chaos you've got fucking Garland, right? Like, in Garland! His, in his Decidia outfit. Right? Nice. But like, I guess, minor spoiler, but it was kind of in the trailer. That was an illusion, the guy in the Garland outfit, which also was voiced by Christopher Sabat, who did the voice in, in Dissidia, which was cool. But the character you're playing as is actually Garland.
2: Huh, maybe that's why Dan doesn't like Garland.
0: God, <laughs> he's voiced by Vegeta. Maybe, yep. but the guy that plays Jack Garland the main character of Stranger in Paradise, not voiced by Christopher Sabat. That was just a throwback to Dissidia, having him voice a couple lines there. But like, holy shit. It was so good. Like, I I don't even know where to begin. So I'll, I'll leave it at that. Yep. Let's, let's thank some people, and then uh, I'm going to... I'm gonna open the floor to talk about Wizards of the Coast. So I don't have any boosts to read. We have not actually uh had any for a while because we haven't recorded in a while. This is our first episode since like early November when we said, Hey, we're going on vacation. Vacation we fucking had, okay? So just a reminder that this podcast is value for value. Uh that means I don't have any sponsors, and I mean I will accept donations, uh, but I would prefer if you would just get a modern podcasting app load it with some Satoshis and use those features. You can like stream sats or you can do a boost. And if you don't know what a Satoshi is, it's a fraction of a Bitcoin. Bitcoins aren't crypto, don't get it twisted. It's not the same fucking thing. That, that's a whole nother episode for that, another day. But it's, the, it's just what podcast apps use. Point is, you can send us a gram. we'll read it out on the air, uh, or you can stream sats and interact with the show and we'll read it out live and it'll be great. That's how we fund the show. That's the plan. Like, I, I'm not going to take any sponsors. You're not going to tell me what I can, can and can't say. Could you imagine if we had, like, I don't know, like Macy's as a sponsor, but we're talking about all the, the shit and Binding of Isaac? They're going to, like, cut the funding. Like, they wouldn't let it happen. I don't know.
4: I, think, I don't know. It'd be a real chat move if they did, though.
0: I mean, they could, but I would never take a sponsor. Fuck that. Uh, I, yeah, yeah.
1: This really explains why I'm only ever invited on this podcast. That? <laughs> right? Oh, cause I, uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> so the value for value model, right. Is way better in my opinion than the advertisement model, because podcasting is really hard to measure, right? Like Spotify bought out like the two companies that did a good job at like measuring how many listeners you have, but like listeners can be faked, right? You could pretend to listen, right. And have a bunch of a bot army inflate your metrics and then tell advertisers, Hey, I have like a hundred thousand listeners and this many average plays per episode give me a brand deal but then it's all smoke and mirrors and no one actually listens because they're not real right and then if that's your whole like spiel then you also have to be beholden to what they want you to say and like show for their products and give people discount codes to shits so that they'll never buy like ball shavers but besides the point with the value for value model if if you find value in our show use a modern podcasting app new if you want to list and just hit the boost button like i prefer fountain fm Fountain FM in their most recent update n- enables you to buy satoshis directly in the app, and I already pay them for their premium version. So like, they know who I am. They it's called know your customer. Like, I just use Google Play. It's so easy. It's a, it's all about like using Bitcoin without thinking about crypto at all, because it's like that's the reason why it works, and it's none of that other like Web three bullshit. That being said, who knows the most about this Wizards of the Coast thing? <laughs>
2: I probably <laughs> Don't me or think... or uh, Robbie. So
0: there we were what the fuck happened okay from the top
2: okay so anyone needs to chime in go for it because i'm not very savvy at explaining things
4: yeah i i've seen several recaps of it at this point so i i'm, I'm i i i i think i might know a fair bit but okay so i'm gonna probably fill in gaps yeah essentially,
2: essentially there is a thing called the OGL, the Open Game License. It allows for third-party developers for the Dungeons & Dragons brand to make their own content using Dungeons & Dragons brand for just expansion. So when uh, when Cobalt Press creates an adventure like... I Again, I don't really have examples on hand, but they make an adventure uh, like... Um, like we're going to go and fight off an army of frost giants in Icewind Dale. Icewind Dale would be a Dungeons and Dragons property because that's part of their their universe, but it's allowed due to the open game license
1: open game license. Basically the open game license has been around since two thousand, I wanna say Maybe, a little, maybe yes. a little bit earlier, but um and it allows you to use the structure of dungeons and dragons to create your own adventures and even um, release and sell those adventures as as, uh, individual modules, as long as you don't include information that belongs explicitly to wizards of the coast. So you can include a dragon in your dungeon, but you have to refer the players to the monster manual and the statistics for the dragon in the official book, as opposed to printing them in your uh, third party uh, module, does that make sense? So
2: essentially, what they have done uh, is wizards want to add in a new Ogl to have more control over what gets distributed. The first thing that they they brought out was a bunch of was a bunch of documents that was kind of leaked but kind of also just uh they sent out two publishers to sign and the publisher was like yeah no here public take like this is what's happening
0: yeah there's a couple theories here that i heard and these are just more leaks that might not even be real but so we know wizards of the coast is owned by hasbro and hasbro was like i guess the the execs running the show were like not totally like aware that D and D was their like best product, like money wise, and they were like, uh, "How do we get more money out of it?"
2: So one, their actual Hasbro's best product is Magic the Gathering, yeah, but that's not important to this discussion. Uh, but yeah, they they wanted to to make they found Dungeons and Dragons, I believe the quote was under monetized, and the lead. Like the lead of Dungeons and Dragons right now is not a tabletop exec, uh, like designer or or editor or any of that. He actually does gaming.
4: Specifically, he's uh, like a mobile online. He worked for Zynga, yeah. as an example. Ew. And he yeah, wants ew. to. He wants to monetize Dungeons
2: and Dragons like video games monetize their games.
4: And the worst part about that is he's been on record as stating that. Uh, well, I, I, actually, I think this is part of the leak, I should I should clarify. But uh, as according to like insider information or whatever, he apparently has been on record stating that he um, thinks that all gamers are the same, and that he thinks that because he understands one aspect of, of gaming, that tabletop must go, and he refuses, out, flat out refuses to play D&D because he doesn't think he needs to in order to understand everybody.
2: Yes, there's been a lot of uh insider leaks from Wizards to publishers and other like journalists and YouTubers where quotes like that have been bandied about. Yeah. Um but yeah, so the so the the first OGL that they tried to sneak onto people uh was terrible. They tried to uh put uh royalties on um on any products that would use the OGL above a certain dollar amount, it was like seventy five thousand, seven hundred uh, fifty fifty thousand dollars.
4: Yeah, I think that's about right. When you're thinking
0: about companies like Cobalt Press and Paizo, who probably like make their companies living off of these products, is like they'll meet that threshold every time, right?
4: Well, no, and, and that's not profit. It's either not profit. It's yeah. revenue. So yeah, even worse. Yes. Um, Basically,
3: did you release it? Uh, yeah.
2: yeah, kind of. Did um. And there was a bunch of other things. The other big one was that wizards basically, when you when you make a product on this new OGL, you are giving wizards a sub-license to use it as they, they see fit without informing you. So basically, you're handing over your whatever this IP that you're making. Yes, any yeah.
1: originals, any original content that you create becomes the prop. If it is involved with the Dungeons and Dragons license, becomes the property of Wizards of the Coast. Yes. So if if you make d and D campaign and you put your uh, original fighter character in it, wiz- and you publish that, like even through your own website. Based on this OGL, I think it was one point one. Yeah. Then that fighter character would become the property of Wizards of the Coast in per- perpetuity, and they can license it, sell it, destroy it, do whatever they want with it.
3: Basically, the the new OGL said there's no content that anybody makes, even if it's a homebrew campaign that's outside of our reach.
2: Yes. Uh, well, if you're publishing it under the OGL, like if if you're if, publishing if... it under the OGL, yes.
3: Sorry, I needed
2: to clarify. Robbie ran a game and he made you know, Charles in the game. that They don't have access to that. But if Robbie then turned his thing into like a, uh, a module and put Charles in that module, Wizards would now own the rights to Charles, which would be a damn shame.
1: Yes, even if I published it for free on my own website mm-hmm. by using the OGL um, mm-hmm. thing to protect myself from legal persecution, I would be yielding them all of my intellectual property. That's such um, horseshit.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was terrible. They also added a lot of new restrictions because now you, because of that, now your content has to play nice to get the OGL.
2: They wanted to restrict what you could have on there so that they're, they claim they don't want hate speech or.
4: That's such a cop out. It, it was the shield they were trying to prop up.
2: There is. One example that I know of that they put this, they put that in there to prevent, and that was the uh, nymphol, the the Blue Magic Book.
3: Yeah, they they don't. uh, No, because Wizards of the Coast is a friendly family company, so I guess why they would have that, or at least have the right to say, "Hey, maybe not that," but.
2: They already had the right to. The original OGL has a uh, has a subsection that states that that wizards can pull certain content, um, and they they did. They pulled the the Blue Magic book. They just printed it under a different license later. It's just yeah. uh, the shitty
0: thing that I I observed was they they were silent for several days after this OGL news hit, and everyone was yep. like flaming them. And then when they finally make a response about this horrible draft that leaked. What they said was it was to stop racism. And uh, they're basically like implying that all the people mad about the new license are mad because they can't be racist. Like, uh,
2: well, uh, it, it, it's even worse than that. So one, they implied that it was a draft. It wasn't because it actually had dates of effectiveness and uh, actual signature, signatory lines. It was set for everything. signing. Yeah.
4: Yes. If it were if it were a draft, there would have been a lot more like. Like X or insert text or whatever, um, right? Like there would have been no like dates and shit slapped on.
2: They also just said we want to stop racism and and hate speech, and we don't want our stuff to be monetized by Web three and NFTs because.
4: Look, guys, we don't like NFTs. Like us, please.
2: But Hasbro's already making NFTs.
4: That's yeah, I know. Um, yeah. Oh my and god,
0: I didn't know that. Really, is that true? irony? Holy
4: yeah, they're fuck. making
2: Transformers <laughs> NFTs. Yep. <laughs> and. The, the one quote that is hilariously cringe-inducing was, we do not think, uh, you're going to hear people say that, that we won and they lost because we banded together and forced he- Wizards to change. But that's not true. You all won, but so did we.
4: That was so fucking weird to read. It is
2: so cringe.
4: I had to read it twice because I was like, there's no shot, no fucking way in hell they actually wrote that down.
2: Uh, One of the last problems with the OGL, the the quote-unquote draft, was that it had several provisions there that meant they could change anything in the document at any time with a 30-day notice.
0: Fuck that.
2: Yeah, so essentially, like, the one example was... Oh, did Cobalt Press make something that was so popular that it made them like three million dollars in profit? They could then just go, "Oh yeah, that we now going to add in if you make two million dollars in uh in revenue, the royalty price goes up to like fifty
1: like- percent." Okay, okay, guys, guys. Uh, Jordan, have you finished your summary? Because I got some conspiracy shit I want to lay on you guys. I got, like, more
2: to do, but we can...
0: Let, let me take it uh, before your conspiracies. I want to talk about one more angle that's kind of important to the story. So, a lot of these scorned vendors, like the Cobalt Press and Paizo and others, have gotten together to make a new license that's supposed to replace the OGL. They call it Orc. Aha, uh-huh, funny. Orc. I get it. <laughs> Cue the Lord of the Rings memes about the time of the Orcs is nigh. Um, and Why it, are you I, I haven't read it. I don't know if it's better. It probably will be... It probably will be just for the sole fact that
2: Paizo, in their own words, don't actually need the OGL or an actual OGL at all. They're doing this to help the people who actually help Paizo
4: more than themselves. It's also not system specific.
0: And they're creating a non-profit organization to be the custodian of the license, so they can't just get bought by wizards and deleted.
4: Which, you know, it's funny. That, that company that they they hired for that, the nonprofit is the one that actually wrote the original OGO. but the original was good, right? Like, well, it, yeah, it was acceptable.
2: It's good. It doesn't really need to be changed. It could be better, but to make it better, you're probably going to ruin it. So it's good the way it is,
0: all right, Robbie, do I need tinfoil for this? Uh, no, I no, 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 don't have no. any. Oh, oh, no. that's oh man. man, lay it on me. <laughs> He's
4: only drawing a little bit All down right, the so iceberg. All right, so
1: one thing that you guys <laughs> didn't mention is that another part of the leak is that they've been discussing raising the price of D&D Beyond. Right. Oh, yes, that's right. So D&D Beyond, uh, for, for anyone who doesn't know, um, it's currently like... Three dollar? There's a there's a free version, and then there's like a three dollar a month and a six dollar a month.
2: I think the cap is an eight dollar is an eight dollar. I think that's the highest.
1: I have it open right in front of me. Never mind. You know more than I. Yeah, I'm no. I I opened it up to have a reference. Yeah, uh, they want to change it so that the highest tier would be thirty dollars a month, up from six. Yep. So. I have a suspicion that part of the reason that they are attempting to neuter the OGL is to force players to go to D&D Beyond for content drops.
4: You know what's funny about that too, though? Is that some of the leaks actually even state that they're trying to kill um, D&D Beyond to use some other weird prototype system they have in the background.
2: No, 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 that is the D&D Beyond. You're thinking of the one they got before Beyond.
4: That, no, but that, that's what some of the leaks are saying. I mean, who knows offhand? But like to back up what Robbie just
2: stated, one of the things that they are trying to also do is again, the thirty dollar is the highest tier, is what they're hopefully is what they're yeah. Is, I mean, the that's they're planning. that's
1: supposedly like the equivalent of like that's the dungeon master tier.
2: Yeah, but they also they're, they want to add in new features that have been leaked. One of which is that um is something called AIDMs.
4: Yeah, that, I'm not... Uh...
2: No one really knows how that's going to work or what that's going to be, but essentially, instead of... Uh, so, it, uh, D&D Beyond, only the DM actually needs D&D Beyond for the content that it offers. If they have... If they bought the D&D Beyond module for uh, Out of the Abyss, they can then send, like, the player information to other D, uh, free Beyond users. But the AIDM thing is actually stated to, uh, or leaked to suggest that everybody needs to be paid members of D&D Beyond to, uh, participate. And they also stated that the tiers will actually, uh, lock out content. So, if you are the lowest tier, you only get, like, base book stuff. Next tier up, you can use other books. And then if you get to the highest tier, you can use Homebrew. Which is... just kind
1: of (laughs) scummy. Yeah, even yeah. like if you went into Roll20 and you weren't allowed to upload your own maps or yeah. add your own stuff, it's like, nope, you have to select one of the pre-selected maps.
2: And then, uh, also with that, the wizards are working on their own tabletop, virtual tabletop. It's supposed to be like in Unity Engine and almost be blurring the line between video
4: game and tabletop. With heavily loaded microtransactions uh, Yeah,
0: I got some more tinfoil. So so put your tinfoil hats on because like oh, I, I, I see the walls fucking closing in. Like it's not just the, with, with DD D and D beyond Roll Twenty, but like like think like Discord, right? There there seems to be this like sort of like arms race to monetize online social gathering i i think it's because of this this like post-pandemic world we live in right
1: well and it's to turn everything into a subs into a subscription service it's, on top man. of that right it's to commoditize everything and
2: the best way to come uh, to turn people into commodities is by social interaction mm-hmm. so use subscription service it's like, subscribe, you, yeah.
1: if you want to
0: use a whiteboard on Zoom, you need to have an account, right? Or same with 8x8. And with Discord, like, almost all their features are hidden behind Nitro, uh, which right. I refuse to pay for. I I mean, I, I'll do a free trial. I did that once. I'll do it again. Listen, Dylan.
4: <laughs> if you want to play with the furries, if you want to play D&D with the furries, you need to have a D&D, D&D Beyond subscription, okay? I'm just saying...
0: Animal Control is gonna come for the Discord devs
4: one day, and it's going <laughs> to but I it. wanted to be an Okra! <laughs> Fuck off! <laughs> but like, that's at least five dollars a month subscription, I'm sure, <laughs> on top of your subscriptions. There, uh,
2: another like uh, thing is, it doesn't really. I don't think it's going to actually matter what the community does. The, whatever OGL eventually comes out, we're probably going to be stuck with it. Like they're going to force one because they kind of have to right now. They have sunk millions of dollars to upgrade D and D beyond in the virtual tabletop. They need to lock shit down, or else it does nothing for them for profit.
4: But to be fair with you, though, I this might be a bit of a weird take. Uh, I'm willing to take an L here, but like, if they had just dropped everything, like not even don't touch the OGL, just release all their new their new platforms, their new tools, people would have been a little annoyed because they're they're stepping on the toes of, of their community. I think ultimately people would have just said, fuck it. And they would have either used it or they wouldn't have. They would have made more money because there still would have been more for people to put money down on. A couple microtransactions that have a cool looking figurine in a virtual tabletop setting. People would have been like, okay, cool. And the people that don't
3: like that would have just still used Roll20 the same way they had always been. They, I think they would have been better off for it. Well, there's a key thing about all of these, like, sorts of money and all that. The infinite profit model. Yes. Right? Yeah, that that's the problem. Like you can't have features and then suddenly give people those features for free without having another stream of revenue. The shareholders wouldn't put up with it.
4: Well, they'd, they'd be afraid. They, they would look at it and be like, well, if that's free, where's my money going to come from? And you know, and then they lose their investors, they lose uh, funding, so on.
2: I believe they could have probably gotten away Without changing OGL enough, they could have gotten away with the the price hikes to beyond over the course of like a couple of years. But
1: but see, you're you're looking at it the wrong way. Yeah. The, they they went into a meeting and said, "Guys, our OGL is losing us a bunch of money. We need to rewrite it." Yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't that they decided to change the OGL as like an afterthought. This was part of their. That, sorry, this is where my conspiracy comes in. I think that they are using the OGL to try and cut down on third party stuff as a way of increasing their own profit margin.
2: They are. Uh, there is yeah. a, there is an initiative in Hasbro. I don't remember what they called it, but it was in it was stated in like their last shareholder meeting where they were going to try to uh, restructure monetizations on a bunch of their properties. And of course, Dungeons and Dragons is the one that they quoted as being under monetized. And that's why they needed to change the OGL. The first step into getting more profits is to gain control of third party uh publishings. And all they have done is just push away all the third party publishers and and broke their community's trust. So And they also did this like what, two months away from this big movie they're gonna be releasing and Baldur's Gate that's releasing in a couple more months?
4: Oh shit, that's true too, yeah.
2: And I was actually going to go buy Baldur's Gate. Yeah, guys, remember Baldur's Gate? I was actually going to go buy it, and I'm like, ah, I can wait before, you know, this to either
0: blow over or whatever.
2: I was actually looking forward to the movie, kind of, because I wanted to go, like, drag Dan to it and laugh at all the bad shit.
0: So what you're going to do instead, Jordan, instead of going to that movie and instead of buying Baldur's Gate, you're going to play Stranger in Paradise, Final Fantasy Origin. You're going to pick the Breaker class, and you're going to Zantetsuke and everything to death.
2: Okay, fuck it, Dylan. I'll, I'll go to give I'll put Stranger of Paradise in. The next time it's on sale, I'll pick it up. Cuz god forbid I can finish Final Fantasy 9 at a leisurely pace.
0: To get this Jordan, not only is it canon with the all of the areas like so it's the Final Fantasy 1 map, right? Just mm-hmm. like the Oh, right.
2: Dylan. Every you zone act like you didn't show come up here drunk talking about Stranger Paradise for 2 hours while playing fighting games.
0: <laughs> I probably did, but I'm going to tell you again. So every little area, every area of this Final Fantasy 1 map is straight up lifted uh, and and tweaked slightly from other Final Fantasy games. So like, yeah, sure, Final Fantasy 1, you do go to the cave where the pirates are. You do go to the Flying Fortress. But you know what those places really are? It's the cave from 14, or it's the Tower of Babel from Final Fantasy 4, or the Fire Cavern from Final Fantasy 8, Mount Gagazette from 10. It's fucking great.
2: So it's a love letter to Final all. Fantasy War World, I so get it. So good. I love it. I, look, I, I've been wanting to actually give it a shot. I've just been poor and not playing very much new shit because I've, I don't know.
0: I know, it's alright.
2: RimWorld took like 300 hours of my time last year. Holy shit. <laughs> I pl- they got a big update for Final Fantasy Seven New Threat, so I played that for 100 and something hours. Which was going to be my game of the year if I knew I could at- say that a model is my game of the year.
1: It's
4: but okay.
2: I, I think that's, that's, too, that's even more
1: cheating than what Robbie did.
4: <laughs>
1: was, hey, don't hey, worry hey, about hey. it. Hey, hey, you know what? Huh. Jordan, I will buy you Binding of Isaac. You play through it, and then it can be your game of the year next year. Hey. But Robbie, um, I'm not a big
2: fan of twin stick shooters.
4: <laughs> not yet, you weren't.
2: Uh, that good point, but but
1: Jordan, Jordan, there's a melee class. God damn it!
2: You know it? Okay, is it actually like a melee class, or was it like uh, Borderlands Two drop saying there was a melee class, and I just was very disappointed. And no, it's you a
1: only melee use class. Neighbors. Okay, it's it, you run around. You're a skeleton, and you run around and hit people with a bone, and you can also charge up the bone and throw it at people, and it comes back like a boomerang. Or you can expel your spirit from your body and fly around as a ghost that's chained to your corpse. Why do I feel like this is speaking to me at a personal level? Because it's Binding of Isaac.
0: Sounds like a character Jordan might have played in a D&D game.
1: Uh, no, it sounds more like what Mike would have done.
4: The moment there's throwing involved, I feel like yeah. that's the, always the go-to, speaking isn't of it? of
1: characters that Jordan played in a D&D game, I finally figured out where Volrath came from.
4: Uh, uh, Jordan will tell you that it
1: comes from Magic the Gathering, but actually, uh-huh. it's a brand name for tongs. Wait, what?
2: <laughs> That's beautiful. Like, like for wait, food? was that that image you sent me, like, in, a year ago? I was yes. gonna say,
3: hey, and I also found a, uh, cooking, like, one, an electric burner, like, single burner. It also had the name Volrath on it, and I sent that to Jordan, too. <laughs>
2: Holy shit. <laughs> um...
4: Jordan picking the wrong names. Okay,
2: okay. If we have, if anyone runs another game, Volrath will come back as a master chef. There you go.
0: Oh,
1: oh <laughs> that my... reminds me, Dylan. When are you going to run a cyberpunk game for us? Yeah. I, I
0: need to get my hands on the book. I was just borrowing it uh, to read it. Uh, so, which one do you want? I, I think in red, just because it's new. Got um,
4: it. I I've heard red is pretty solid.
0: So so hear me oh. out, right? So the Volrath Company. The Volrath Company is a manufacturing company in America mm-hmm. in Sheboygan, Wisconsin.
4: Sheboygan? Ugh. Oh. That sounds very American.
0: Sheboygan, Wisconsin. They manufacture stainless steel and aluminum equipment and smallwares and deep draw stainless steel items for commercial and industrial food service operations. Founded in 1874.
2: Jesus Christ. Uh
0: family business. So
4: Volrath retired. From adventuring to become a steelsmith. Ooh, oh, they,
2: they make ice cream scoops. Well, character ideas amazing. solidify. <laughs> Although I I did want to bring something else up that I've read this morning. Uh about uh, sorry, going back to the OGL real fast. <laughs> um, white White Wolf Gaming, the people who made uh the um World of Darkness, so uh, Vampire Masquerade, yeah. World of the Apocalypse, them. They predicted the OGL thing 20 years ago. I mean, so. in that world, in that world, there is a plate, there is a, uh, there is a company called Mages of the Bay. And they have what they call the oil license for third party developers to use to make their, cause they're also a game and toy company that is being controlled by the worm, which is the worm is a, uh, Basically one of the three werewolf gods that is the personification of, like, death and corruption that has itself been corrupted and is now one of the major, like, enemies of the world, the darkness world.
0: A little on the nose, but okay.
1: Yeah, it's basically a 40k god. But they're corrupted
2: by the worm, and so all their toys are, like, hyper-violent and, like, get children to become more violent. And what the, the, uh, what the mages of the bay did was have this oil license... Be- uh, because they have a parent company that I don't remember the name of. And so when all these little third party developers have created so much into the uh uh content for their oil license, they then dropped the bomb that in the fine print there was a huge royalty tax, which bankrupted all of those companies which then had to liquidate and got hostile takeover by their parent company. And that's how nice. they like gained their their like strong footing in like as a megacorp.
4: That's diabolical wow you know i gotta say i mean i don't know I'm at the expense of almost sounding like uh <laughs> I, I predicted this i i feel like wizards of the coast has always been like scummy in other areas like when we you mean, mentioned magic the gathering they just had a, a controversy recently but it's not like they haven't had many across time right
2: well the 30th anniversary is like is like the big controversy that they've uh, most other controversies are like in publishing, it like, in their own community. But the 30th anniversary is the one that broke out of the yeah. community and other people, like, took notice of.
4: Yeah, but, like, I feel like after seeing a lot of that stuff, I, I, I don't think I ever really looked at Wizard of the, Wizards of the Coast in, like, a good light. I always kind of was, like, begrudgingly partaking in their products, I guess, in some capacity.
2: When, when did Hasbro take Wizard of the Coast? Like, six? I 06? forget.
4: Yeah, a while back.
2: When did the stores disappear? Um... <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know.
0: There- 1999.
2: Oh. Oh, shit. I-, I guess I was just a wee tot, and I just didn't notice.
4: Well, they they didn't have to disclose it probably right away, so. The one brand to rule them all.
2: There's also this thing, when you look back, almost every corporation is fucking awful. I had a lot of respect for Square Enix until recently, and then I go to look back, and it turns out they've always been a piece of
1: shit.
4: Yeah, I mean, look at uh, even things like Steam that are beloved the gamers, that had a really shitty past.
1: Not it, not like a horrible past. The thing about past, Hasbro but... is that you guys ha- just haven't been into action figures. Yeah. Hasbro has been shitty for a long time. It's just been focused on a different niche in the collectibles That's market. Fair. Transformers has been going ape shit forever. I can believe it. Um, God,
2: does anybody remember uh, in 2000 when Final Fantasy Nine came out? They brought uh, uh, Square Enix brought out a man, uh a strategy guide for it. Mm-hmm. Do you know they pay they pay? Yeah, it? you had to go on their website and spend a uh, website and spend eight bucks a month to uh, get certain information that what that the uh the manual the in uh, strategy guide told you to go to.
4: What? Wow!
2: wow. Yeah, Damn! Damn! And Final Fantasy <laughs> Nine is the first like game where you actually kind of needed a manual to get through a to get like certain hidden items like uh. Uh, Save the Queen 2, or Excalibur 2, or whichever one it was, Yeah, where you had to get to the last dungeon in under 12 hours, there's no way you could figure that out without a manual, or D- a guide. Didn't
0: somebody in, like, 2017 or 18 discover a side quest that nobody knew about in Final Fantasy IX?
2: Uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was going back to the Tantalus, uh, clock tower under certain circumstances, and, like, a quest would pop up, and you just got, like, a shitty, like, fire ring for it, like, no one even cared.
3: But
4: it was hidden for, like, 15 years.
3: That's so sad.
4: Good old video game mystery. But yeah, I think, honestly, the takeaway from, like, a lot of this stuff is that D&D isn't the only tabletop role-playing system. And I feel like there's a lot of people out there that I feel like maybe know that, but don't really know that. Well, honestly, I think this is the perfect time to branch out and try other things. Obviously, for us, we all play different systems, but... You see, we
0: have the value for value model. I don't have any sponsors to cancel us. So I'm going to tell you, pirate the D&D books. Cancel your oh, yeah. D&D oh, Beyond fair. subscription. that's true.
4: That too. Oh, yes.
0: We're um, allowed to say that.
1: <laughs> also, if you have the books, Wizards can't tell you how to fucking play. So,
2: get the books however you need to. Get rid of D&D Beyond, try new systems. Pathfinder is all online and free. Yep. Just try it psfrd.com. Just go try Pathfinder. And if you play 3.5,
4: you'll be just fine. Mm-hmm. Fuck, I, I think even 5e, it's pretty easy to transition backwards. It's, it's more to learn, but it's still ultimately the same fucking game.
0: Isn't 5e, like, more similar to Pathfinder 2e than...
4: No, not really.
2: It's, it's similar, but 2E, Pathfinder 2e built their game completely broken away from the D&D model. That's why they don't need the OGL anymore. Yeah. They just put it out on their listing as a formality.
4: Yeah, Starfinder and Two E kind of have this issue where they try to make you a bit more spread out on your character. I, it's a little less about specialization.
2: It's it's basically they took the feat system from three point five, and then they basically just made it like how do you make characters feats only. So you're getting feats uh, for like different categories. So they're like there's ancestry feats, which is your your racial feats, and then yeah. there's your class feats. It's how you build out your character. But the cool thing I like about it is the uh, the three, uh, the three action economy. So on your turn, yes. you have three actions, and that could be like move, attack, or do something. But when it comes to spell casting, you can actually like stack on um, components to make your to make your spell casting take longer, but do additional things. So if you're casting a fireball, you can like add, you can spend like an action to add like a somatic component. And another action to add a verbal component, and then your third action to add a material component, and it'll, you get all the effects. Like stuff like that's cool.
4: Yeah, I think the kicker for me in Starfinder was I—I I can't remember which class it was I was playing, but the class would give me two separate types of uh, or two separate bonuses from two different sources. But because they were the same kind of bonus, they wouldn't stack, and that's fine. Every every uh, I think almost every d20 system does this. Well, but the issue was is that it was from the same like parent source and so unless you know unless i like, think if you're just reading through and not really paying a whole lot of attention you also you're not going to see sh- it
2: that's starfinder that's completely different from pathfinder and 2e
4: well yeah but pathfinder or starfinder and 2e are used the same a kind of system uh, pa- starfinder is a bit newer but a bit older sorry than 2e but
0: I just want to go back for a second and just remind the listeners that uh, if we get kicked off of iTunes for advocating piracy, uh, one, fuck iTunes, and two, get a new podcast app, stop using iTunes, uh, (laughs) newpodcastapps.com.
4: Yeah, you're only using iTunes because you grew up thinking the iPod was actually a good piece of uh, hardware.
0: When it comes to D&D books,
2: like, at a certain point, but can I truly uh, pirate the SRD if all the information is in the SRD?
0: Not really.
4: Because uh, information was meant to be free, Jordan. No, just wait. They, they've gone after that multiple times.
2: Now, don't get me started about trying to find GURPS books. That's a hassle. No, we're not
4: playing <laughs> GURPS. <laughs> What's that you typed in third edition? Here's fourth edition. You'll love that instead. When when are we going to play no. GURPS? Yeah,
2: Dylan, let's play some GURPS.
4: You can, you can play it without me. <laughs> <All> <laughs> GURPS That's... with a bit of 5E slapped what? on top. Well, Dylan, of
0: fun. I
1: specifically want to play it with you. I I want to give <laughs> Dylan
2: like all of those weird those weird advantages like the weirdness magnet and the lucky feet and and, and Dylan you can play a talking sword it just requires like 300
0: points <laughs> uh, I I did not have a very positive I mean I had a fun playing it with friends uh, but like the mechanics though
4: were you in that like it, what one were you in Um, I think he played in your fog game
0: uh, no, I was in a game where Orin gave us all pre-made character cards.
4: Okay, you played, like, the
1: first game Oren ever ran. You were in the worst GURPS game. They got better? Yes.
4: Well, mm. yeah, I mean... okay. okay. I, I think GURPS Dylan, feels better the more points you have, honestly. Dylan, well, within reason, obviously.
2: Robbie and I played in a game that Oren ran where we were in the Civil War, and it was, like, weird West-style shit, Robbie uh, walked around with was a gunslinger in full plate that he made from plowshares because okay. Australian bank robber reference.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> I was basically Ned Kelly.
2: Um, I played a Native American that wanted to do melee combat in GURPS, which is a horrible idea if guns exist. And then we had Mike just being Mike.
4: Mike played Mike.
2: Uh nice. he was like a pacifist doctor with a robot arm, but everyone knew who he was. So we constantly kept getting harassed because Mike was
1: essentially the MacGuffin of the game. He was he was the only person in the old west who had like a steampunk arm. And so whenever anybody saw him, they were like, hey look, it's that guy with the steampunk arm. Let's They'll pay big bucks if we kill him and take his steampunk guard. I feel like
3: he just played Vash the Stampede, but, yes. you know, Mike-style.
1: Yes, except he was a true pastor. He didn't even use a weapon. No, none of us knew that he was playing Vash the Stampede. It was his <laughs> totally original character. God.
2: But no, like, that game was fun as hell, although we did accidentally let the South
1: win. So, uh, you take the good to the back. Hey, hey, we didn't let the South win, we we left to go join the Sky community who
4: wasn't oh, racist. Oh, right. We just
2: said, fuck it. We're joining Sky Seattle.
0: Okay. Maybe I will give GURPS I've, another I've try. I've played
4: that JRPG. And oh,
0: goodness. It
2: was, it, I just I just remembered we got to the end of that game. Okay, Dylan. and
1: Dylan, there was a game of GURPS where I played a Russian <laughs> tank driver who only spoke ten <laughs> words of English, and I had to pick the ten words before the game Almost started. Just curse words.
4: Two of them were curse words. I mean, those are pretty universal. I mean, you need at least a curse word.
2: A fifth of your English language was just cussing people out.
1: Yes. And I also had to, I had to use the other eight words to communicate how to drive the tank. Cause like I could, I could drive or shoot, but I couldn't do both at the same time. So I needed to trade off with people and I needed to be able to shout instructions to them.
2: Like. GURPS has the potential to do whatever you need to do because it's GURPS, and it's
4: great. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it before, Jordan. I think the only thing about GURPS that I truly feel is a little too restrictive is that I feel like in order to be, like, at least average at at a skill, or, like, at an array of skills, well, you're you're spread very thin. Well,
2: if you want to be a skill monkey, it's better to to put your points into your base stat, so your average which average is a 10 average gives you a 50 percent chance of success um and so to get yourself to be a little better you put your like your decks to 14 and that puts anything you have a point in uh that you have at least uh uh skill equal to decks is a 14 which is pretty damn good that's almost the best you can get so yeah, that, that's, that thing about GURPS is you are you can't be everything. You're either a skill monkey, a combat character, or a mage. Like You can't be at all.
4: And that's fair. I, no, no, no shade to GURPS. I mean, we're having fun playing it right now, so...
2: My issue with GURPS is when Mike gets involved, he tries to do whatever he can to break the game for some yeah. reason.
4: See, the only reason I even have a character like that is like built in a way like that is because Mike took my sheet and he's like, no, nah, no, nah, here, I'll help you. And I'm like, okay.
2: <laughs> he did the
4: same thing for me. He'll either
2: make characters that are completely fucking useless in like 3.5 or Pathfinder or 5th edition.
4: And then get bored of them two, three weeks in.
2: Yeah, but in GURPS, he goes and finds the obscure shit that's like, this lets me attack four times in a single turn and plus I get... uh." bonus damage equal to my skill points in this modifier and it's just why are you trying so hard
1: okay i i mean this i mean this in a completely like honest way do you think mike would want to play against characters that were uh actually a challenge to the to the uh min maxing that he's done or do you think he wants to go into the game and kill everything
2: i think he what he wants is to have a character that can solve every problem with violence and didn't choose not to do
1: it unless forced so what you're saying is he wants to play Vash? yeah
4: god yeah holy
1: shit
0: he
4: does fuck no but uh, i mean i will at least give him credit that he did go back and retroactively min max to to pull his power back a little bit yeah, they
2: so, put all that into defensive stuff to make him basically even more untouchable.
4: Yeah, that's true. I've read about that. Fuck. Like Vash the yeah,
2: Stampede. He took his instead of like if he basically had a build if I go first, I kill whatever's in front of me.
4: He's literally Gintama and Vash the Stampede sandwich together, isn't he?
2: Yeah. And then Holy he scaled shit. that back to where he can like one-shot most anything. Uh I think I he can't kill a bear in one turn, which Congratulations!
4: Dad. I you can almost kill a
2: bear in GURPS. I think I girl.
4: have, I think I have better one-shot capabilities, but my I, at the expense that I have like no
3: defensive abilities. Well, Jesus.
2: Well, that's thing is Mike mid max where he can almost one shot a bear in GURPS, which that's ridiculous. But also he took a bunch of that innate magic that lets him create barriers. Yeah. So. It's a good thing that the things that you guys are going to be fighting isn't really stuff that those two things can solve, because none of you have will bonuses to will.
4: Yeah, Could. I was, was going to say, like at best, I can like do like a couple swings that'll do like what, like five d or something like that. Yeah, but then it- like once that's over, I lose like a portion of my strength, and I don't have anything to defend. <laughs> I don't have any defense aside from a shield. So, yeah. Shit's not shit's gonna get hairy if, if I don't kill them in one hit. GURPS is bizarre.
2: I love play I love like almost everything about it, and I don't like wanna force people's hands into builds except for like to to comply with the lore of the world. Because oh, yeah. no matter it. what you do, there is gonna be something out there that's going to kill you easily. Yeah. Unlike the Dungeons and Dragons where you can prepare for literally anything to stop you.
4: I think that's one of the things I hated about 5e and I think I still kind of don't like about 5e is that it it feels it feels like it's really easy and fun to get into but then once you've played it for like a couple like like somewhere in the range of like 5 weeks to like 8 weeks you, you pretty much realize that you've done everything your class can fucking do. And you you may only be like level 3. 5e
2: has cla- uh, has a cl- uh, character diversity like World of Warcraft has character diversity. Yeah, exactly. You- you want to play a druid, okay, well, there's only four dr- types of druids builds, but on- but two of them are useless, and only one is actually, like, going to be any fun, and the other one's going to be more optimal, but it's going to be boring. So pick which one you want.
4: I actually felt
3: bad yeah,
2: but,
4: picking Runic Knight when we played Five E because I was like, "Oh, that sounds really cool." I didn't think about how powerful it was going to be. I didn't. I actually didn't even think about the the fucking race and class energy it ended up being. I just thought it sounded fucking cool. And then once we get in, I'm like, "Oh, wait, you guys can't do do this kind of damage." I'm like sitting here hitting like, like at level three, I'm hitting like, I, I can't even remember. It was it was a lot of damage though. I'm I'm like slapping you had like, a with like D12 magic spells plus
2: five plus a D four.
4: Yeah, and then plus if I did my, uh, I had Smite as well as a fighter that allowed me to do another 2d6 per round.
2: Yes, you had- If they
4: didn't break out of it.
2: Yeah, you had good damage output, which 5th edition actually needs because their way of scaling up enemies is by just giving more health, which just makes fights slogs.
4: And I mean, I guess it didn't really, it didn't end up being that big of a problem, but I felt bad because it's like, oh, I'm not trying to power game, but like, I kind of felt like I did, and I was like, ah, oh, shit. 5th edition wants every class
1: to be a build. They want people to be able to sit down, look at the builds that are available in the book, and very quickly put together a character. You could see that's what they were going for in 4th yeah, edition. Yeah, that's fair. When, When everything was a single path that gave you a single ability choice at each level... Um, fifth edition is much better than fourth, but they—the thing is—is is I think that Wizards is so worried about people sitting down and making a bad build that they don't want you to have that much flex. They don't—they don't want the flexibility to let you make something
4: bad which honestly i think is where more more of the fun comes from i mean your d20 modern game that you ran a bit ago there jordan was probably one of my favorite like games i was in and all i was was a kid with a sword that i couldn't use very well because i was a i was a i was a mage a caster and i was basically ended up being skewed into being a skill monkey by sheer necessity and that was that was fun well, I, I couldn't, I couldn't hurt anyone to save my fucking life, and I was p- always forced into melee combat with shit. And it just was, it was beautiful.
2: Well, that's another issue with like Five E, where you're not really allowed to have flaws, because your flaw is like baked into that, uh, that story system.
4: Well, yeah, your your flaw is my feet smell like cheese. People yeah. hate that. It's like, and that never comes up because your your DM doesn't want to have to fucking deal with it.
2: Or you look at the uh, the the recommended like flaws, the 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 guides that they give, and it's like you find people are are below you, and so you speak down to everyone, and it's like that's not really a flaw. That's just a like a personality quirk.
4: Yeah, it also just makes you a prick. NPCs and the players alike aren't going to like dealing with you.
2: I've had issues with fifth edition ever since it came out, and. I'm honestly glad that everyone's moving away from it cuz that's all I get in like my YouTube feeds now is is let's switch to Pathfinder or let's switch to World of Darkness and
4: I'm I'm I, I think it's healthy. I mean, I think more people like I know Jordan you're not a big fan of, of the the type of system but even even other like systems outside of D20 where like uh, I mean Gurps is a good example there but like uh, Blades in the Dark is a, a favorite of mine and I think honestly I, there's oh, a I, lot of people out there that I feel like you know play D and D and they're looking for more role play heavy stuff. It's like just just go play Blades. Well, it's 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 better than Fate and it's it's there and it's uh, I think it's like five dollars to get everything.
2: Well, it's there's so many systems out there that even even like the bad ones. Like I have a 400 page book that I found on the shelf of uh, Dragons' Horde Games. Mm. Uh, I found it in like a like a half price bin, and they gave it to me for five dollars. And it's called Black Void.
4: What was that? You good? No. Uh, the Jordan I has his gamer cans.
2: I had to push away all my my energy drink. Implements. I just I
4: just heard a bunch of bu- cans just hit Proud the floor. You. Proud of you.
2: <laughs> Sorry, I <laughs> I had it right here on my shelf. I just had to like best everything.
3: Best fully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: but. So I have, like, this book I got for, like, $5 called Black Void. And it is interesting. I don't think I'll ever be able to trick anybody into playing it. But just reading through it was a treat.
4: Jordan, you trick us into playing GURPS every single time. I think you can trick us into it.
2: All right, we're playing Babylonian spacefaring aliens.
4: Fuck it, let's go.
2: Yeah! Okay, fuck! But it's it's actually pretty neat. It's, like, Bronze Age, Babylonian, uh, like, during that era... A rift opened up and threw Babylon into space, and they got like taken in as refugees by these alien races. And like, fuck the systems. I'm just reading this this like world building at this point. Yeah. And like, if you go look it up, going go look at like Black Void artwork, it it's beautiful. Uh, but like, I've never heard of anybody talking about Black Void.
4: I don't think I have either. First I've heard. So.
2: Of it. Yeah, so, like, now that people may actually stop falling into Dungeons & Dragons 5e is the only D&D, maybe we'll get people that'll actually, like, like, say, hey, I found Black Void, and we're gonna go, like, play a game of this and tell you how it goes, or we're gonna run a and d Modern campaign, or...
4: Yeah, fuck it. Or- one-shots are the greatest way to test the system. Or, well, at least, like, you it's know, like- get your feet wet.
0: I don't know, man, like modern campaign with D&D. Just people need to learn new systems like I wish they would stop.
1: <laughs> people need to be willing to try yes. new systems
4: there. How many systems have we jumped into uh, over the uh, however many years you uh, you guys uh, introduced me into, to d and D? I I only ever really read the rules fully for like 3.5 in Pathfinder. Everything else I kind of just skimmed and then winged as Jordan threw it at me or winged as Mike threw it at me or whoever was DMing. It's like, it's pretty easy to just follow along if you have a general understanding of tabletop and then a cursory gl- glance at the rules so you at least know what you're doing in combat or something, right? It's like, even if you aren't like big in into like diving through books, it's like you can kind of get away with it, honestly. I mean, I, uh, I, I still to this day don't even fully know Blades in the Dark. Like, I played it, like, I played, like, years of it, years of it, and I still don't know the full rules system.
0: I'm super curious, Vic, what do you think's the weirdest
4: system you've played? The weirdest system I've played: Kobolds, uh, hey, my babies. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I feel like
2: that's more like a party game rather than a tabletop yeah, system. Yeah, that's though.
4: fair. But it was, we, the way you guys presented it to me was like, here's your introduction to D&D. It's like, oh, this is cool. <laughs> do you guys remember Monster of the Week? yeah that's
2: always fun
0: oh that game was unhinged so like with monster of the week i only played the one session i think you guys were in and like so there's these story beats that are on in a list that the dm gets to pick and so like because it's in the list and be, uh because of the way the rules are like we all had our, our backstories and i was like a street samurai like i was like um one of basically one of the dudes from i divine cybermancy right and stampede. i forget what mike was but because of the rule set bash the stampede. uh probably probably i think
2: he was the detective
1: he was he was a Valkyrie, oh. but he was also oh, bash the okay. stampede because he was he had super high armor and couldn't be hurt and he had super high damage and could have hit everything really hard
0: so because of the rule set we were dating and <laughs> we had to role play it it was really
1: funny. oh
2: right, it has a really interesting uh method of like connecting your characters where you give someone like a basically like a writing prompt and you have to fill in a one of your uh, allies into that writing prompt
4: it Oh was... fuck, we need to use we need to use that so like it was I, funny I, think I
2: was playing like the basically the guy who's who like a cult who i like took a cult member took my family and now i'm on like the john wick quest for revenge and i had to like be like this dude is my this player like robbie is my contact he is where i get my
1: guns So I
0: love the level up system, too, because you pick these perks out of a list. And it's like, well, I'm I'm playing the dude from I Divine Cybermancy. So the perk I picked when I got my first level up was I can summon goons and I have a base. And I remember we had to interrogate somebody or something. And I I summoned my dudes and they teleported him out and they they replaced his brain with a cyber brain. And then they interrogated the brain after letting the the body go back. And it was like (sighs) it it was unhinged. And it's like why hey, is Robbie. why is my 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 street samurai who can barely speak English he mostly talks in city speak like why why what would he do be doing with a Valkyrie I don't get it but like we made it work love finds a way damn it <laughs>
2: What was the uh, fantasy version of that game that we played Robbie was it just
1: called like fantasy world uh so so those systems in general are called um powered by apocalypse right and Uh, the version that we played was, oh man, it was, it it was called like hack and slash, I think maybe, or something, something like that. Uh, but they're all that system, the system that, that monster of the week uses is powered by the apocalypse. And there's, there are all kinds of RPGs that use that general system where they have, uh, Character sheets, where you just fill out your uh, class into the, the pre-made character sheet. And then a simple set of moves and counter moves that the players and the DM use. So, right, you can find those for all kinds of settings. Uh, but Monster of the Week is probably my favorite. I, I
2: will say that I, I, as much as I like the fantasy one we did, just because I think both of our characters were ridiculous in how they are made... Cause you were playing like a barbarian that got all these bonuses whenever you were like in a fight for glory, which would have been every fight. Yeah. Uh, as long as like I was defending a person, I basically was immune to all physical damage as a paladin. But yeah, I do think that like the fancy version of that got very stale pretty quickly. But the uh, monster of the week that that had potential. I'm kind of sad it didn't go very long.
1: Oh, was it just Dungeon World? might have been just been that, Dungeon, oh, Dungeon World. Dungeon World's right.
4: pretty solid. I've played it a couple times. That sounds about right. It's one of those, like, you can pick it up immediately and play without really needing to read or learn anything. Yeah,
2: it's just everything you need to know is on your character sheet, and, like, on a different sheet that's, like, in the center of the table is, like, all the actions that can be ta- yep.
4: taken. I, magic was a little weird to learn, but, like... It wasn't D&D levels of like, oh, I'm starting a fifth level wizard. It's like, all right, <laughs> pick your spells. Here's just spell list a mile long. It wasn't that bad, but. So if it's all right with you guys, I, I want to change
0: the subject just one more time before we wrap up tonight's show.
4: Okay. Yeah, sure. So, Victim, you built a computer. I sure did. How is it? It's, uh, it- it's become my uh, heater. I, um,
2: I, I'm I'm not an expert, but I don't think that should be happening.
4: It shouldn't. You're right. <laughs> so, um, I, 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 so I guess I'll I'll start. Uh, I, I dropped about 1680 Canadian, so about uh, about 500 American. Um, yeah. My computer, Sorry, about like twelve, somewhere like eleven and twelve hundred dollars. I think, give or take. Um,
1: how many How many rubles ooh. is
4: that? In probably like what, like twenty thousand, something. Like that?
2: All right, I want this in 19, uh, 1918
4: uh, marks. Oh, probably a couple hundred thousand. Okay. Yeah, yeah.
1: What about nineteen forties marks? I'll take it. Nineteen forties marks. <laughs> <Not yet. laughs> what did I say? Eighties? I meant
2: like like forty. <laughs> yeah, quadrillion. I, I, that's what I was going for. I think I may have said the wrong uh, date. I don't know. I'm like. I'm like down a bottle and a half of gin at this point.
0: I've only had beer, uh, but I'll tell you what: uh, a Canadian dollar is 75 cents
4: American. There you go. Yeah, it gets, yeah. pretty close. Yeah, that's it, it can sad. Fluctuate, <laughs> it can fluctuate between like 70 and 80, but it's yeah, it's about there. Yeah, I mean, so it's I, not I gotta, real. It's not real. Is the yeah that it is three quarters. literally monopoly money at this point. But yeah, I, I ended up getting a. A very powerful processor, very powerful graphics card. I made sure the bottlenecking was fine and all that. And, uh... Things run very, very well. It is the first time that I have uh, booted up a game, hit ultra, and just never looked back. And it feels great. It it feels wonderful. It just sucks that my processor now hits, like, about 50 to 60 on an... Uh, <laughs> while it's idling. And it hasn't, it hasn't gone over 90 yet, but that's, uh... Not not good, not good. It's the the big danger, yeah. I'm using a five year old stock cooler from like a 2700 uh, Ryzen, so like pretty pretty old cooler at this point. And it's mm, I'm hoping hoping I can get something new. I don't know. I was I was thinking between you, Dylan, and Rick, um, I was basically trying to figure out whether I should do a case of new fans or a new cooler. And I think I settled on a new cooler. I think I think I just need a new cooler. For context, your
0: case is missing a side panel and is not new at all. So it's like, yeah. y- you stand to gain a lot with a new case.
4: Oh, yeah, I got this case back in 2009, uh, for, for the record. This case and the current power supply are from 2009. Power supply still runs perfectly fine.
0: It does not double as a fan.
4: No, it does not. <laughs> but it, it's just one of those ones, so like it's uh very old. I should uh, actually realistically get a new case at some point, but I don't know. After spending $1,600, the last thing I want to do is uh buy a fucking, <laughs> buy new, buy more shit, especially when I
3: wanted to buy a monitor to,
4: to use my new powerful machine. And uh, then I realized, oh, fuck I'm not done buying parts. I see.
3: Well, you're never allowed to stop,
0: never allowed. No, at this point, I, I, yeah, you're invested. Like you're st- you can't just do a full rebuild now. You gotta just start replacing parts. Anyways, we're closing in on that two hour mark. So I think uh, now would be a good time to have our closing ceremonies. So this has been the Mel and Nancy podcast. I think we should be calling this one Mel and Nancy Live Season 3, which is the fourth season. Why I don't even know if calling it a season makes sense, but that's what I'm gonna call it. Whatever. right? It's <laughs> not- Let's call it Book Here, 4. Oh, goodness. That would be pretty good. I need to think about it because this episode wasn't even live. And until I figure out like lit tags and uh, ice cast, like we're not going to be live. However, I do have listening rooms on the mumble. So like I might uh, invite people to listen like from like our discord community, like to see if like if they're interested at all, they could join the listening room and like hear us, but we can't hear them. That that might be an
4: option.
1: Oh man, we'd get a peanut gallery. Hell yeah. We could talk to them.
4: Yeah. Great. But we can't hear what they they say. And they can't say anything back yeah oh man. yeah
1: like
2: imagine if mike was in there this uh this time
4: <laughs> he'd be screaming into the yeah. void. <laughs> <laughs> or actually no let's be real the moment we likened him to bash stampede he would have been nodding his head with a giant grin on his face doesn't matter how much shit we we're talking he'd, have, <laughs> he'd, be, he'd be all for it let's let's be real how dare you describe me so accurately probably what he's thinking well
3: i mean in fairness (laughs) these are old characters right like 10 years (laughs) ago right no
4: no no No, no. (laughs)
3: fuck. the Gurf one is now
4: i'll never unsee it by the way you've you've ruined mike's characters for me forever it's just (laughs) this is all gonna be (laughs) and now you know why he's
3: so mad about the remake
0: i get it now
4: you know that makes a bit of sense i get it now i suppose he had a lot of stock in it huh
0: i was so taken aback i'm like He's, I didn't even know he had seen that show. I was like, oh, well, I guess he cares a lot about it. All right. I mean, <laughs> yeah.
4: Don't get me wrong. The remake is
3: pretty trashed,
1: but.
4: Oh, man. Oh, man. No, no. Guys, guys, guys.
1: The remake is great. <laughs> All I, right.
3: Lay it. Okay. <laughs> lay it on us. Mm.
1: <laughs> no, no. I don't have time to go over it now. Fair. Just enough time to make, to have Mike. Oh, I gotcha. I gotcha. Damn.
0: We're going to have to have Mike on the show sometime.
1: Man, Dylan was saying we were wrapping up, and I thought we could end on it being on on us all agreeing that it was great. Oh no,
0: no, I, I have more to say. I'm oh, so what a great that would have been great been. though. Um, but no. So this has been the Melomancy podcast. Thank you for tuning into our return episode. We're gonna be the target is to record every two weeks and release when I can. I mean, I have to edit these now, so it's not gonna be like the next day. But I'm I'm taking a more conservative approach to the editing before when we were on mumble i edited way too fucking much but right now the plan is to edit like the uh when people are talking over each other uh and also the the, obviously the keyboard clicking which has been present the entire time that you haven't heard probably um dear listener if i edited it right uh but every two weeks you can expect an episode that's the plan we're gonna do it until next november so uh yeah watch uh Watch Trigun, I guess. (laughs) And and,
1: everyone watch Trigun; it's amazing, best anime. And cancel your
0: D and D Beyond subscription.
1: Yeah, you don't need a garbage.
0: D and D be gone. Thought.